Bloody Elbow presents the Hey Not The Face podcast, the show that brings you the business side of combat sports, including contract review, financial analysis, fighter pay issues, and more. Hey Bloody Elbow podcast Substack subscribers will hear bonus content, if available, at the end of the broadcast. Be sure to subscribe at bloodyelbow.substack.com for our newsletter and at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com for our podcast network. Follow us on Twitter at Bloody Elbow, Facebook at facebook.com slash bloodyelbowblog, and as always, on bloodyelbow.com. Thanks for listening. Here's your host, John S. Nash, joined by his producer, Steffi Haynes. Hello and welcome to Hey, Not the Face with your host, John Nash, and your producer, me, Steffi Haynes. And today we have a hodgepodge episode where we are going to cover some Vince McMahon, WWE things. We're going to talk about the antitrust uh, lawsuit a little bit. And we're going to talk a little bit about Saudi Arabia as well. But first, John, how are you? uh honestly not great i got a, we got a lot of rain out here in los sunny los angeles is non-stop rain i got leaks in my roof <gasps> i got the plaster coming down and i got the cat isla's made herself a bed on me so i cannot move that's the rule that's the rule of the household <laughs> what isla wants isla gets yeah i can't believe i agreed to this but apparently that is true so, John, I thought it never rained in, in California. <laughs> they lied. That song is full of shit. <laughs> you know, that, that they, I, I want my money back. But no, every year we get several days to a couple of weeks of rain. The, hopefully, you know, people might not be aware of this, but historically they, they've gone back to the record. Every 200 years, there is a massive rainfall in California. Oh, we're talking biblical. And the last one was during the, the Civil War. That's why it was kind of not known because not many settlers were out here at the time. And, you know, the war was going on, but it was so bad. It created a lake in the middle of California. The entire Hollywood area was underwater, three feet of water and not Hollywood. I said the entire L.A. basin was under three feet of water. The, the river changed direction. It was a it was just an, an apocalyptic disaster. And so we are we're almost due. We're due coming up on that 200 year span. Oh, my. Well, hopefully you get your roof fixed and yourself situated. But for right now, let's look at the scandal with Vince McMahon and the WWE. And my first question is, how much culpability do you think TKO Holdings, uh, Ari Emanuel, that whole group have in this Vince McMahon scandal? Because... They had to have known something, right? Uh, the, the the deal was cut after Vince had all these sexual harassment scandals already hanging over his head. So tell me your take on this thing. Well, I mean, they're not culpable in the, the crimes per se, because obviously those were done internally by the UF, by uh, UFC, sorry, WWE. Uh, the, the, Vince is culpable for the actual crimes, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and by all reports, they all happened before TKO, you know, was uh, the merger happened. So I haven't heard of anything happening since then. But I mean, I was listening to Dave Meltzer, who's you know probably he follows pro wrestling a lot more than I do, and he's he's been on the ball and all this stuff for decades now. I mean, probably my entire life almost. And I'm an old guy, so that says a lot. Uh, he was talking about how uh, 
and Deborah had to have known. Uh, Emmanuel had to have known some details. Not all, maybe not all the details. He might have been caught off guard in some of the just you know some of the nastiest accusations and the in the allegations and the complaint. But he had to know something happened because he had to know about the uh, the settlements with various women. He had to know that the the stories floating around. And they, remember, they rep. Uh, if I if I'm not mistaken, his agency represents uh, McMahon as well. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. So they go back. So the stories should have been there. Any sort of due diligence should have brought up, but they should have. It's it seems apparent. It's almost unbelievable that, that TKO had no idea that these allegations were floating around, that uh, that the pet, the settlements weren't paid off, that there's, you know, I mean, obviously, even though the federal investigation that's underway now, they had, you know, they filed subpoena. They, they had a, a subpoena. They had to know about all this stuff. So. There is, a, I guess, the culpability is there was an article or someone was anonymously quoted as, uh, you know, he would not want this to, you know, he would have been happy if this never came out, him being um, uh, Emmanuel. And, and that's what it sounds like. As long as business is going fine, they they were hoping that this would be completely, that the settlements would have, would have been the end of it. And this would have been a, a done deal. So culpability to the uh, for the crime, none probably, but to the stockholders, to the company and everything, he he probably holds a lot of culpability. Since Janelle Grant, according to her attorney, isn't looking for a settlement, what she's looking for is to, and I quote, change the toxic culture at WWE. Uh, do you think there could be some sort of blowback onto the UFC throughout all of this? Or is that me just going a little too far out there in left field? Well, I mean, there's there's potentially some blowback in the sense that TKO and, and is WWE and UFC. They're a joint entity, right? Mm-hmm. So one, they have a they have a joint stock, right? So if there's a blowback based on this, that would affect the 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 stock price of the company, which affects UFC's UFC's valuation. That's one potential thing. The other potential thing is the brand image could take a hit because it could be tainted by being connected to WWE. I guess the big thing is what else comes out in the um, the complaint, and if she doesn't want to settle, it goes to trial. You know. What comes out and and what's the end result? Because if this is a trial and and a, and more and more people come forward having terrible just a, stories, if if the WWE becomes just well known as basically a just a, a criminal enterprise on top of being a pro wrestling promotion, that's a terrible look and it's terrible to be in business with them. So that could that could come back to haunt them. There also is a possibility that. You know, UFCs, there there have been, I mean, I got to be clear, first of all, nothing even remotely as egregious as what Vince McMahon's been accused of as, are the stories. But there are stories of behavior uh, and rumors of behavior by top people at the UFC that are salacious, that are scandalous, those types, that types of, that are unbecoming an executive. Those type of rumors do those rumors get picked up again? Do people start looking closely into the UFC and airing all their dirty laundry because of the WWE? That's a potential possibility too. Oh yes. And then Dana's assault on his wife last year could also come into play again, all over again, right? That could come into play. There could be best looks at uh, any other possible allegations of abuse. There's, you know, he had that, he was blackmailed. Oh yes! Uh, remember that there's that. So would that be reinvestigated, re-examined potentially uh, under a different light? Uh, all that's possible. So, and you know, it's 
and it's possible based on the the view of it might also be people's view of it might change certain events of the UFC based on the a presumption based on what the WWE has been doing. Now, with her not looking for a settlement and looking to change the toxic culture at WWE, I want to ask you a, an oddball question. So the in the antitrust lawsuit, the plaintiffs kind of want injunctive relief to be on the table. Now, I know injunctive relief can't happen here, but what could she be looking for if not a settlement? How would the courts, how would this lawsuit be able to change the toxic culture at WWE? Well, it sounds like my guess would be a settlement. Usually when you settle it, it closes the case. There's no further discovery, no revelations, not, no trial. Uh, if there's not a settlement, that means a lot more information, dirty laundry and stuff would be publicly aired, right? And potentially, and if there's not a settlement, she could be going up for the maximum amount mm. of uh, damages. On top of that, too, with the settlement, she might also be, you know, not waiving criminal charges. She'll take part in a criminal trial. So criminal charges could still be on the table with her as a, as pressing charges or being a, a witness in that. So all that's on the table. So it's a lot more, I guess, the potential outcome. Yeah, it's not an injunctive relief where the UFC fighters are asking for a change of behavior being like the contracts because I I can't imagine there's contracts involved. Although it could say you got to get rid of all your NDAs. I'm sure that's a possibility. The judge says these NDAs are, you know, they're they're unenforceable. We're going to we're going to throw out all of them. And so more people could come forward. That's a possibility. Uh, but really the possibility is just much more of the public goes light. There's much more shaming of people at WWE, much more possibility that people get criminal charges potentially filed against them. And then again, the damages might be a lot higher. Do you think that uh, lawsuits will eventually be filed by TKO board members? I mean, it's possible. I'm not. I wouldn't say board member. I think shareholders. Shareholders, would be more likely. excuse me. Yes, that's that's the one I'm going for. I'm oh, sorry. Okay, I yeah. just Share, used the wrong term. It, I'm, I'm sure someone's drafting up a complaint right now for the shareholders. So that that's possible. The, could they win? I don't know. But they're. I mean, if if people the the board, if there was a lot more known, and this ends up hurting the stock. Um, then then there would be a case because it's like you had this you hid this information you merged with a company that was that had this incredibly risky is a risky merger based on the possible complaint that was coming down the pipe and that you knew about all that would make them ripe for a, a lawsuit now the question is though will they be hurt by this complaint that that's the big question if the complaint doesn't hurt them and there's you know the stock price rebounds and the fan base and public doesn't seem to care then it's going to be hard to win a suit on that but if the if this complaint has legs and they win damages and it hurts the stock and the brand drops then then shareholders would definitely have a uh, they i think they would have a case to make and since we're here talking about the wwe and shareholders and board members and tko holdings and all of that can you explain what dwayne johnson's new role at tko holdings is i don't know just a figurehead, I guess. He's uh, he's there. I mean, that's what it sounds like. He's okay. there to be a figurehead, to be a, the face, to do PR, public relations, media events, uh, to, 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 you know, use his brand. You know, he's basically he's the new Arnold Schwarzenegger. So this is kind of like uh, if they had if they had hired Arnold Schwarzenegger in the late 80s, right, early 90s when he's at his peak. 
so that and, and in exchange, Dwayne gets thirty million dollars in stock, which is a tremendous amount for a board member because usually it doesn't work that way. And he also gets his his brand name back, which is incredibly valuable to him. Which is it's kind of interesting is <clears throat> the Rock is is really seems very adept at at putting himself in the right place to just to, to cash in on stuff, even though. Uh, which, again, I'm, I'm marveling at his, his ability to do this. I don't know if he's like a financial genius per se, but he d- very much seems to understand the winds blow and where to put himself in a position to take advantage of it. I mean, you've got to imagine that based on the reading of the complaint article, as with Meltzer and other people say, that that this might spread to more executives at WWE, right? That the WWE the top of the whole promotion might have to go. They might have to the, clean the, the slate and get rid of all these people. In which case, who is in a prime position who's been outside the WWE that has nothing to do with this to step in and be the new head of the WWE? Uh, the Rock, Dwayne Johnson. It wouldn't be a Triple H? Triple H, he was there during the whole time. Yeah. That this was going on, right? Yeah. He was, he is, he, apparently it looks like he's hinted at as, as an unnamed uh, person in the complaint. Right. It's, yeah. his response has been terrible from what I understand the press conferences. It's, it's possible that his future, he could be one of the people put on the, that I'm just, a, you know, I'm just spitballing here, you know, but I can't, I don't think it's impossible to imagine that his head might be one of the ones put on the chopping block. Wow. All right, so we mentioned the antitrust suit. I'm going to go ahead and steer us in that direction right now. And my first question is, we had all of these text messages that were revealed upon diving through the latest uh, batch of discovery documents. And so when we see these text messages, how much... Uh, weight do they carry in this? Well, not not a lot, tell you the truth. Ah, okay. The That's fan seems thinking. to get the fans seem to get very excited about it. But in the case, they're not the case isn't built on these text messages. What they're there for is to reinforce the narrative that the plaintiffs have. Okay. They want to give an example that the UFC has this extra, you know, extra contractual power to hold fights from people, to get them to resign, stuff like that. Uh, it has leverage to, or, or that they that they're they have a, a uh, I guess a, a a tiered system of payments that it's already prearranged what people are going to be paid. It's not negotiated, and they use these text messages and emails to kind of reinforce that that this is what the UFC does. So on on that, it's it's good evidence for the plaintiffs when presented as part of a narrative to show here's an example of what we're talking about, what the UFC did Um, a good example. I think a really strong piece of evidence, and this is a text, an email that I think is a really strong piece of evidence is Joe Silva saying we own MMA. Now on its own, that doesn't mean much. He could be bragging, but included in the email was the, the the old SB nation's consensus rankings, the, the bloody elbow, the best consensus rankings ever in MMA. We should bring them back side note, but the old, uh, consensus rankings, he included that in the email and you look at it. And this was right about the time that the UFC was buying strike force. The UFC, you look, you go through that email and you see the UFC has 70% of the top 10, 15 fighters. And then when you include strike force, you're suddenly up to 90, 95%. So that we own MMA comment 
become kind of takes on a whole new meaning when you see that they actually do own all the top rated fighters. And so something like that could be, I think would be very good evidence to, to highlight that the UFC knew what they were doing while talking about this stuff that sounds like they are attempting to control the sport itself. With the WWE scandal being this whole big, bad new problem, is there a greater chance for a settlement now? To access the bonus content of this show, you must be a paid subscriber. To do that, go to bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com and subscribe today. Thank you for tuning in to this Bloody Elbow Podcast production. Subscribe at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com. Give us your email and receive notifications when your favorite shows drop straight into your inbox. We're also found on a wide variety of podcast outlets. Just search for Bloody Elbow Podcast and you will get new shows throughout the week, including the MMA Bunker and MMA Tete-a-Tete shows with Kid Nate, the Level Change Podcast, the Hey Not the Face Podcast, the MMA Vivisection Main Card and Prelims UFC Preview Shows, the Sixth Round Post Fight Show, the Show Money Podcast, and the MMA Depressed Us.